What is up, guys, and welcome to another episode of the Crypto Entrepreneurs Podcast. As always, it's your host, Charles, and today we've got another very interesting episode for you. I'm going to be sitting down with Bully. You probably know him from Twitter. We're going to be talking about a couple things today. We're going to be talking about his Twitter account and how he's grown it over the last couple years. And then we're going to talk about two projects that he has started and is working on or is a partner in. One of them is Arrow. It's a privacy coin. Privacy coins have been huge lately. And I feel like it's a good idea to talk about them for this potentially upcoming run. Uh, we've heard this is the year of privacy coins. So I wanted to talk about that. And we're also going to talk about this marketplace that he's created called Alpha Market. It's for freelancers to find work. Uh, and before we get into all of that, I do just want to take a quick second to give a shout out to the sponsors. This isn't a video interview, so if you're listening to it on the podcasting platforms, you're not going to need to head over to YouTube because all I have up is his Twitter and then the websites that we're talking about. Uh, but with regards to the sponsors, there's Crypto.com. Eternally grateful for these guys. One of the biggest companies in the industry. Not much to talk about this month other than that Visa MCO crypto credit card that they've got has some great benefits and perks. The most important one, I think, is the up to 5% cash back that you can earn on all purchases. So if you're interested in a card that allows you to spend your crypto, I'd head on over to their website. It's going to be a link in the description below. And the second sponsor is CoinFlip. They are a Bitcoin and crypto ATM company, the first largest by volume and third largest by number of machines. If you are interested in making a purchase at one of these ATM machines, there's going to be a link in the description below. It'll take you to their website. You can plug in where you live and it'll give you the closest machines to you. They've also got their OTC desk. I've talked about it at length before biggest thing about it it has some of the lowest fees in the market and a very low minimum there's only a five thousand dollar minimum to make purchases so if you want to buy some bitcoin over the counter you can head over to their website get that all set up now let's get into the episode with bully all right so i'm sitting down with bully um i'm sure everyone who's listening to this knows you from twitter you've got a pretty large account on twitter uh, I'd call you almost a crypto Twitter personality along with all the other stuff that we're going to get into. Um, <laughs> before we get into Alpha Market and Arrow, do you think you could just give us a little bit of background on yourself? Because I know you're a corporate attorney. I don't know how much you're allowed to talk about or what you're allowed to talk about. Uh, but can you just give us some insight into who you are? Yeah, yeah, sure. No, I'm happy to. And, you know, thanks for having me on. I've Long time listener, first time caller, I suppose. I am <laughs> um, honored to have you on, man. I'm I'm starting to get some of you big guys on, and and it's really taking this podcast to the next level. Awesome, yeah. Ever since uh, Crypto Street Podcast yeah. stopped making episodes, I feel like my exclusivity arrangement with them has <laughs> has lapsed. So there we I've go. I've done a few now. Um, yeah, no. Uh, so I, I'm like you said, I'm a corporate attorney. I been practicing law for over a decade now. And, um, you know, I advise a lot of clients and sort of the crypto technology um, startup space. So, you know, I've, over the years, I've seen a lot of cool projects. And um, I've actually kind of 
over the last four or five years began trying to go out and start little side projects too, because I enjoy sort of the entrepreneurial nature of the tech community and crypto in particular. Um, and so that's sort of what, what drew me to the space. And um, maybe four or five years ago, I was working um, as, well, I was working at a technology company and I got exposed to online payments and that sort of led me down the crypto rabbit hole, so to speak. One of my friends knew a guy at Coinbase and he's like, hey, you should talk to this guy at Coinbase. So I called him and, you know, Coinbase probably had 20 employees back then. This was in like 2016, maybe more, but it, they were still a pretty young company. And so I was speaking with him and he was talking about Ethereum and all of these things I'd never heard of. So I was kind of frantically Googling this stuff and it, you know how it goes. Like once you're kind of exposed to it, then you're like, wait, what is it? And right. you kind of go down the rabbit hole of what's Bitcoin, what's mining. And then, you know, from there you've sort of opened up Pandora's box and you're just sort of hopelessly addicted. So I, I was kind of interested in the community in early 2016. And then I got onto like, um, ETH trader on Reddit. Um, cause I was a big Redditor back then. And oh, so God. I know, I know this is back when <laughs> Ethereum was like eight bucks. Um, and so I bought a bunch of Ethereum and then, you know, you go down the rabbit hole and someone mentioned Golem on ETH trader. So I was like, Oh, that sounds interesting. You know, this sort of worldwide computer. I like that idea. So, and then I had to figure out oh, I should go and start a Polonex account. So then I got on the Polo and then I created a Twitter account to like, you know, follow some of the folks who are posting trade ideas or talking about new cryptos I hadn't heard of. And um, yeah, so my, my account really just, my Twitter account really just started out as like a way to follow other cryptocurrency accounts. It was going to be Bull. <laughs> that was the original account. And then there was already an account called Crypto Bull, who's still around and, you know, has several hundreds of thousands of followers yeah. still. Um, so I was like, oh, I'm kind of an asshole. I'll just add a Y and make it bully. Um, and that, that stuck. Um, and then, you know, I'd started posting trade setups or um, I'd do like analysis on coins I liked or talk about kind of the legal implications of what FinCEN was doing or something. And, um, I made some friends in the community and then, you know, more people started following me. So I, and it just kind of snowballed from there. And, you know, now I think, I think I'm like 600 followers away from a hundred thousand. So yeah, you're, I'm almost you're, there. You're getting close. You're about to break that hundred K and with all this <laughs> DeFi nonsense that's going on, we're going to get some new blood and I think you'll, you'll get yeah. pushed over a hundred K. That's a good um, idea. I should just start cash tagging DeFi coins. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, run that trend into the ground, cash in on it. Um, so, so are you are you, are you you out there buying up DeFi project coins right now? I have a few. I'm not like, I, I try to do as much research as I can. I'm a busy guy. I've got a lot of shit going on. Um, mm -hmm. So like my go-to place has always been Biz. They have the low sure. cap gems constantly. And so... I'd say more more so recently than in the past year, I've been back on Biz looking for the DeFi 
just insanity. And right now it's, it's just a casino again. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you hop on, uh, you're, you're buying these, they just get listed straight to these exchanges or these decentralized exchanges and you're just gambling. And, mm-hmm. uh, some of them are going fucking absolutely nuts. Um, made some money, lost some money. Uh, but sure. I think I think this DeFi trend is here to stay. I actually just talked with this guy Jeff Kurdakis. This is the last podcast episode. Uh, he's founder of Trust Swap. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a DeFi coin. So we kind of got into the whole DeFi industry, uh, and he he's seeing this as kind of the initial pump, and then you know things are going to kind of settle down in his opinion, and really start to take off again after that. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, but going back to just the Twitter account again, before we really get into, you know, Elf Market and Arrow, uh, what do you think, how, how do you think your following came to be? Cause you, you're a very well-known guy in the space. Uh, and you said you were posting about a couple different things, you know, charts, takes, coins, uh, some, some stuff with regards to the law. Uh, mm-hmm. do you think that's where it kind of, you kind of separated yourself from a lot of other people, or do you think it was just the ship posting crypto posting like what what can you attribute it to you know i i always say like i've i've just shown up for like three and a half years every day and posted <laughs> stuff <Yeah. laughs> so like eventually if you're just around long enough you sort of become you know people know you and then you know people and it kind of goes from there i think initially you know i'd post a lot of calls i'd post analysis i'd post my entries and exits and this was like early 2017 when everything was going just batshit crazy. And I, you know, me and other people at the time nearing the end of 2017 were gaining like 500 followers a day, a thousand followers a day. And it was, uh, so that's where, that's where a lot of it came from. And, you know, I'm starting, it almost feels like this DeFi stuff and the way some of these alts are moving, you're starting to feel like that again. But then there's also this interesting dynamic with like the Robin hood traders and the, (laughs) the like TikTok folks. And so there's like all of these sort of various um, groups that are kind of all jumping on this greedy trading bandwagon all together. It's pretty interesting. It is a very weird dynamic because I, you know, I'm on Twitter and I'm online and kind of keyed into finance in general uh, and I'm pretty much looking at it all day. And when you take a step back, you know, you see, or when you look at it up close, it's all these guys going nuts about this DeFi stuff, people trading on Robinhood, like you're saying, these new TikToker, TikTokers pumping Doge. It's like, it's mm-hmm. crazy shit, but you take a step back and you look at the economy as a whole and it looks like it's, you know, on its last leg, it looks like it's right. about to drop off a cliff. Uh, so it's a very weird dynamic. And I think... You know, unless we somehow pump to all-time highs in the next two months, uh, a lot of people are going to be in for a rude awakening. Yeah. No, it's true. I mean, it's a volatile space, and I'm sure the stock market's going to plummet at some point. It's It just feels unsustainable. Um, it's it's, it's felt unsustainable for like three months now. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it'll, it'll turn. I, I just, you know, I think a lot of it, too, is like, everyone's locked in their fucking house right now. There aren't any sports. Like people are bored. And like, this is, it's, it's sort of like this interesting meeting of social gambling and like almost sports where you're like, you know, you have the guy from Barstool like live streaming (laughs) his, 
um, stock entries. And like, it feels more like gambling in sports than it does investing, but that's half the fun of it, I think. Yeah, it is. It is very degenerate. And I think <laughs> a lot of people are just getting that dopamine fix from the gambling right. rush. Um, and I, I think that's coming to an end soon, but who knows? Yeah. I'm not an expert. I'm not going to try to say that I know what's going to happen. Uh, just, right. just my opinion here, no financial advice or anything like that. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, people for months have been like, oh, I'm going to short this. But as, <laughs> Some names I, I come mean, to mind when you say that. Like I, right. they have been shorting for the last three months and I just laugh at it. You know, when I first started, one thing I always thought was really cool was to like nail the top or nail the bottom to like call the end of a trend. And I've gotten my face ripped off so many fucking times doing that. And it's just not worth it. Like you're just clout chasing the way to trade effectively and make money is to just follow trends, right? Like just get in the, get in the current and go with it. So if DeFi is printing cash, get on, get on DeFi. Um, and then like if the stock market's running, join the crazy TikTokers and jump in. <laughs> but then, you know, once it all falls apart, then you want to make sure you're out and get short. So, right. you know, there's a, there's a line between following trends and being greedy and if people can figure that out, they'll probably get rich. That's how you make a shit ton of money in pretty much any industry sure. regarding trading. <laughs> um, right. So one last thing before, again, before we get into the actual bulk of this interview, um, how was that trend or what was that transition like? Because you said, you know, you started doing research, you started buying coins, uh, but now you're actually working with a lot of these companies. Uh, were you an attorney before that or was this kind of your intro to law? You know, you started working with crypto companies. So I was, I was at a corporation before I went back or well, before I went to private practice. So, um, as I was like, I was, I was working for a corporation and I was making a lot of trades and sort of getting to know the industry. And then more and more people kept approaching me saying like, Hey, bully, could you help actually give us legal advice? Could we engage you? But when I was at that one corporation, you're not allowed to take on multiple clients. So I was like, well, if I went to a law firm, I could, you know, take on multiple clients and sort of do this in my spare time. Um, so that was really the decision that precipitated me going to a law firm. So, yeah, I mean, uh, one thing that's been interesting too is like I, I used to tweet a lot about coins, about entries and exits and stuff. And now, you know, with having so many followers, like, I think Luke Luke bemoaned this a couple months ago, and I totally agree with it. Like, if you if you talk about smaller cap coins, people on Twitter are like, "You're a scammer! You're trying to pump this market." But it's like, no, man. I started out with like 200 followers, just like shitting around on Twitter, and now you know, just because people follow me, like it sucks that I can't talk about interesting new projects. But you know, that's just sort of how it is so when people are like do you even trade anymore like yeah i trade i just you know i don't want to go through the ass ache of talking about it on twitter now because you know right, people, some problems yeah right there's no real upside i mean yeah like some people might make money but there, there's yeah. a little bit of upside you get some clout get some clout yeah you get those dopamine hits but yeah but that's about it you know if you're wrong people are upset with you if you're right other people are saying you're pumping the market like exactly it, it's really a lose-lose situation especially when you get to your size right right yeah and i mean you know once and then you know i have these other projects i'm more focused on and i have clients in the space so i don't want to give the impression that like i'm using 
information that may be confidential, which of course I'm not, but you know, people don't know that. So I just, given sort of the, the number of people who view my stuff, it's sort of switched to more kind of general commentary. And um, I've, I've gotten interested sort of in the FinTwit side of things too over, over the last year, I think. You know, Tesla's obviously on like an absolute bender right now. So yeah, it's hard yeah. not to watch Easy. that. <laughs> right. After hours dropped down to what, like 300? What was with that? Was that just like a flash crash? I haven't I, seen that. Yeah, no, I, I haven't really been paying attention. I've been moving boxes all day. Uh, but I opened up Twitter and I saw just a chart <laughs> of it after hours. It had dropped down. To, I don't know exactly what it was around. It was like 300 or something like that. Uh, no Bizarre. research on it. So I have no idea what's going on with that. Uh, but you're your honorary FinTwit chairman as your bio read, so I think you should know about this. <laughs> well, I've uh, I've been eating dinner, so I haven't <laughs> had a chance either. I'll catch up after this, I'm sure. There we go. Um, so <laughs> last last one, last question before we kind of move on. Uh, was was that transition to working with more of these crypto and tech companies? Uh, based off of opportunity more so, or were you kind of interested in the space and you decided, Hey, I'm going to kind of pursue these kind of clients now. I'd say more the latter. I mean, I, I started at, when I finished law school, I thought I was going to be a litigator. I'd sort of trained all through law school to be like, I'm going to do trials of sort of large corporate defendants and that'll be it. And then once I got out of law school, I got more involved in the startup community and, I like the tech side of things. I like working with entrepreneurs more than, you know, large corporations. So um, it was, it was a conscious decision on my part to be like, well, I want to, I want to be in that space. I want to represent clients there. I want to work with people starting companies because that's where all the action is. Um, so I, I just wanted in on that. And it's hard not to sort of be a, find that alluring at least to me like you know these young kids making billions of dollars <laughs> and like changing the world like it's it's interesting and it's sexy and it's fun um so i was like you know when i was out of law school i was like well i'm gonna do that yeah it's definitely more fast-paced and fun i came from a bank i was an analyst at a bank and just going from that industry to this industry has been a wild ride um yeah, banks in particular. I mean, they're like the most risk averse right. entities oh, on the so planet. so boring. <laughs> right. It, you know, I was doing a lot of underwriting. And so a company would come to Oof. us and I'm like, holy shit, this company's awesome. Like really love what they're doing. Can see them being very successful. Financials look good. The bank's like, oh, well, it's, uh, it's a tech company. So we're not going to take it or, <laughs> you know, right. too much risk for us. It's It, it was wild. Um, yeah. So I needed to get away from that. But, okay, so we got your background, kind of why you're in this industry, how you've come to be this personality on Twitter. Uh, I do want to get into the bulk of it now. Uh, so tell us just what Alpha Market is, why you created it. I know it's you and Dale. Um, mm -hmm. So just, just give us the full rundown on it. I have the website up right now looking at it. Uh, but from, from your perspective or in your words, you know, what is it? Why was it created? Yada, yada. Sure. Yeah. And so in my former life, I was working a lot with marketplaces, um, with online marketplaces. And I always found the model really interesting because, you know, if, if you can, it, they're hard to start, right? Because you have to seed both sides and you have this kind of chicken and the egg problem because you need people to sign up for it. 
but you also need customers. So customers won't come until people sign up. People won't sign up if there's no customers. So, you know, we, and then at the same time, Dale and I were both very entrenched and involved in sort of the FinTech and crypto space. And I'd, I'd started several projects over the years, um, just small one-off things. And it was always like, it was always a big problem finding help and finding developers in particular and designers to, to work on projects. So, um, you know, I was like, well, maybe we could put together some marketplace that's specifically for FinTech and crypto services, freelancers in particular, who can, you know, advertise their services to the young crypto projects who, you know, may just need like a Python developer to help code out some portion of their backend or, Maybe they need a graphic designer to come up with a new logo for them or something. And you could, you know, you could do these one-off little jobs and the freelancer would get some extra cash and the company wouldn't have to go through the headache of, you know, finding someone, hiring them, going through the whole W2 process. So we just thought it would be like a faster, kind of quicker way to do it. And we'd been working on it for about like a month when COVID hit. And, you know, frankly, we probably would have waited to launch until now. But, you know, people were losing their job. Like there were like 10 million people out of work a week. And we're like, well, shit, now seems like a really good time because, you know, people are struggling. They're out of work. Maybe, you know, people could find a little extra cash freelancing on our website. So we just went ahead and launched it. Um, And we've had a really good response. We've had, I think, I, I just checked. We've had like over 250 unique signups. We've had over a hundred unique listings up um, for various services. And I think since we've launched, we've had something like over 7,000 unique visitors. So we're getting good numbers and it's slowly ticking up over time, which is fun to watch. And um, yeah, we've had a handful of transactions actually go through and, you know, people have been happy with, the work product they got and um, we have payments built into the system so people don't have to leave the website and there's kind of this cool little escrow feature built in so if you you know if you're a if you're a freelancer and you're doing work somebody actually has to like set aside the cash so say it's 500 bucks they'll pay the 500 bucks and then that is held by elf market via stripe and then when the customers like, oh, yep, I got all of it. It looks good. They say that, and then the the funds are released to the freelancers. So there's sort of like this escrow trust model built into it, um, which helps remove some of the scams and shit you see if you're just like DMing people on Twitter. Yeah, so I think that was one of my first questions just looking at the site. It looks like anyone can kind of just post on here. Uh, and then anyone can come and hire them, it looks like. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I was wondering about these kind of scams. I I work with people in the industry. I get paid by people in the industry for you know uh, to get put on on my podcast. I do a little pre-roll for them. Uh, they sponsor mm-hmm. it. And uh, just from talking with people in the industry, I think one of the biggest things that freelancers deal with is just not getting paid or mm-hmm. getting dragged along and kind of scammed uh, out of funds that they're deserved or that they deserve. Uh, so it sounds like you guys have that built into the marketplace already. 
do, do. You, yep. do you guys do any kind of vetting for the posts that are allowed on there? Because I'm going through it right now. I'm looking at it. Uh, I see you. I see Dale. I see Wendy. Some other names that I know here. Um, but if I was some scammer, could I come and hop on this website and post some sort of service? Um, we or, pay very close attention. And to be candid, we can monitor a lot of the things that happen on the platform, which we do actively. Um, to ensure that people are above board. And we have, you know, you have to um, set up a profile and a payment profile and things. So if you're a scam artist, you'd have to actually like put in your payment profile before you could actually engage anyone. Got um, it. Okay. So that kind of so deters them from. Ex exactly. And we've had a few people post like silly listings or some listings that don't seem quite right and we can just go in and delete them. Um, so we're actively curating and monitoring the, the posts that go up there just to ensure that people aren't getting taken advantage of. And now, you know, you actually see scams more frequently on these larger ones like Upwork, for example, there's a lot of scams happening right now where people will pretend to be with like, footlocker or something and exactly. say, Oh, we're hiring like a temporary HR representative. Um, and those websites are so big, um, that, you know, a lot of those scams sort of make it through. Um, but you know, I, I, I think everyone online just has to sort of use the gut test and their best judgment. Like if they're getting communications from someone and they're like riddled with typos and, the website is really funny looking or something, you know, like I think most people are now sophisticated enough online that they, they sort of are able to smell out a rat. And then, you know, it's our job as site administrators to ensure we're doing all we can on the back end and the vetting processing to ensure that, you know, people are actually going through the process. And, you know, we've, we're working on right now, integrating crypto payments. We don't have that yet, which is probably the, it's definitely the number one thing on our kind of roadmap, so to speak, and the thing we're focused on. But the, the, I guess one upside to the legacy payment system is if you're paying with a credit card, you can always issue a chargeback if someone is scammed and you know, go through the process of actually like reporting it as fraud and doing that. But we haven't had that yet. And, you know, God, hopefully we don't, but um, we'll see. I'm sure like as companies scale, these are payment issues that they have to deal with. Um, and marketplaces do tend to have some chargeback issues here and there. So, you know, it's just something, it's kind of a cost of doing business, I think online, but yeah. Uh, our our goal was to create a, what's called a vertical marketplace. And so this is, it sounds sort of like one of these kitschy VC terms, but the idea is like, so <clears throat> Upwork is sort of like a horizontal marketplace. It's just like, if you want a service for really anything online, you go to Upwork. But the idea for Alpha Market was it's, it's, it's within one vertical, which is FinTech and crypto. So if you need a backend developer, a front-end developer, an accountant, uh, anything in between social media, trading stuff. So there's all sorts of different um, categories you can be, but we were hoping that people who go there know the industry and the, 
the freelancers who sign up have the expertise. So, you know, if you have a crypto project, you're not explaining to a developer what a private key is. They know that they are in the community and understand that. So there's less of a kind of getting up to speed period for folks you engage and, um, you know, them being freelancers, hopefully, you know, if, if you went on alpha market and had a project and retained someone, you know, you trade a few messages with them, you, you pay the payment that's retained until the job's done and they could be off and running within a couple hours if both folks are responsive to the messaging. So, you know, hopefully it's reducing some of the friction. It's bringing kind of a, a group of experts together that have expertise in a particular market um, vertical and, uh, you know, allows projects and companies to find talent that knows their industry quicker and faster than they would on a Fiverr or an Upwork. And I will say this too, our fees are much, much lower. I think they're about half of what Fiverr's are. Fiverr charges like 20% of all, all these big guys. They, they really charge an arm and a leg for this kind of stuff. They um, do. You know, I was talking, I forget who I was talking to. This is completely unrelated or like semi unrelated. Uh, but it was one of, it was one of these marketplaces, OnlyFans, you know, OnlyFans, I'm assuming. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone knows OnlyFans. Uh, they charge something like 20% for the models just to be on the site. It's uh, crazy. And I've come to realize once you kind of become the leader in market, uh, and kind of get your name out there, you can really start to up your fees. Do you think that's going to happen with Alpha or Alpha Market, I should say? Sorry. You know, I, I don't think so. I, our overhead's very, very low, at least now. You know, I think so. I'll, I'll be completely honest. Our fees are about 10%. So it's like half that. Um, and that includes the payment processing, which is, Another I couple think, percent. Uh, right. Stripe charges 2.9 plus 30, um, 30 cents. So they try if every transaction, they take 30 cents and then 2.9% of the, the net transaction. So, you know, we're, we're like at least half of the rate of those guys. I, I don't foresee any time in the, in the foreseeable future that we'd raise our rates. Maybe if it got so big that like, we don't really care anymore. <laughs> or, you know, costs start to increase. You got to pay more exactly. people, that sort yeah. of thing. Uh, but that's good. I just, you know, wanted some peace of mind for the guests. You know, if they're thinking, oh, I want to maybe put my service on there or I want to look to hire somebody on here. Um, sure. And I will say that the people using the service, retaining people don't pay anything, right? It's, it's completely free. The only people paying or, you know, subject to the fee are the freelancers themselves if they get a job. So it's free to sign up, it's free to post your listings. And then if they are retained and they're paid, you know, say you get 500 bucks for a job, 50 bucks of that will go towards the payment processor and the marketplace. And then um, you'd get the other $450. There we go. Uh, so we, we did mention a couple of the bigger ones like Fiverr and Upwork. Uh, I'm sure you have plans to grow because I think the reason I want to ask this question is I heard you say, you know, we're much smaller than them. Our, our costs are a lot smaller, uh, yeah. but the the roadmap should be to grow, to be, you know, the leader in industry. And I know I see you guys tweeting about it pretty often, you and Dale. 
Uh, is there any other marketing that you guys plan to do or how do you how do you plan to grow this into kind of an industry leader for fintech crypto finance kind of industry? Yeah, you know, I think right now so there's there's that old adage in startups, right, that when you're young do things that can't scale. So right now it's like we've just been leaning on our networks. Um, we haven't put a dime into Google ads or any sort of um, uh, marketing campaigns or anything. Um, right now it's all just sort of word of mouth and maybe some, you know, of our own personal promotions on Twitter. And um, we have sort of organic plans to grow. I think my plan, at least in my head, was to keep sort of organically growing it over the next basically till the end of the calendar year. And then from there sort of reevaluate what the numbers look like. I mean, like I said, I think we have over 250 unique signups right now. I'd like to see that at like a thousand by the end of the year and maybe 500 unique listings with an average of like five to 10 transactions a week and just keep snowballing that organically. And then once we sort of hit a critical mass, which I think is about a thousand. And I, I, these are just sort of spitball numbers off the top of my head, but you know, we could potentially raise some seed capital. And then once you have, you know, 50, a hundred thousand bucks, then you can really go out, hit the Google ad works, hit the Facebook ads, do these sort of targeted smart marketing campaigns, maybe hire an SEO um, person to help with getting our website near the top um, of the Google listings and really kind of try to take on some of these larger marketplaces that are out there. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm no marketing expert. Um, but as a founder, you sort of have to wear that hat initially. So my thought has been, well, let's, let's focus on organic growth because that's the way I've sort of scaled my crypto stuff. And then, you know, if, if we get big enough or, some investor, some angel investor approaches us and wants to invest, then we can go out and really, you know, hit it hard and try to scale it. There we go. So just slowly growing over time. Uh, I feel like that's what kind of everyone has been doing recently is they've kind of tried to organically grow, haven't thrown too much money at any kind of marketing or growth until they receive some sort of funding, uh, mm -hmm. which seems to be the crypto way. Um, get the name right. out there make some money, get some funding. I guess that's all finance or all tech, I would say. Um, so really quickly, I, some, I, I do not remember the name, but I would say six months ago or so, a similar service popped up, but it was in a very bad light, I would say. Uh, and the reason I'm talking about this is because I see Wendy right at the top. And I remember her being on this other site. Uh, it was a bunch of, I'd say, quote unquote, influencers, uh, and it was kind of a marketplace like this where you could check it out, see what their rates are, see how much they're charging for things and purchase them. Uh, and it blew up on Twitter. People were saying, oh, look at all of these scammers and influencers charging ludicrous amounts of money. Uh, has there any, has there been any kind of blowback uh, that you've seen with regards to the terrible, terrible people on Twitter? <laughs> you know, people find something to bitch about no matter what. 
uh, I, I'm of the opinion, like, listen, if you have an audience and you can monetize it, fucking do, do it. it. Like, yeah. I, <laughs> I, I think, I mean, I mainly use my Twitter account for fun and my own personal enjoyment. I, I looked at a, a few months ago, I think I had 24 million impressions on my Twitter account. Like that's, that's valuable. And there's plenty of companies and projects out there who will pay for that. So I, I actually have a listing on Alpha Market. Oh, I, I see it, the, the $500 listing. Yeah. I was going to give you some shit for that. Yeah, come on. <laughs> but like people, so people have given me shit about it and I don't care. Like, yeah. fuck them. Yes. If, so that if, was kind of where I was leading with this was like, how do you kind of deal with that criticism? Um, because I feel like a lot of the freelancers, influencers, social media mm-hmm. people out there deal with this and i remember seeing someone say oh you're charging 500 dollars a tweet on twitter kind of poking fun of you but not really being serious right. uh, but i'm sure there are people that think that this is just ludicrous uh, and have given you shit like you're saying so how do you kind of deal with that i just don't care um i've i've taken endless amounts of shit on twitter over everything so like, yeah maybe i just have like a thicker skin but i'm of the opinion people's time is valuable. People's expertise is valuable. Exposure is valuable. You pay Google ads to, to get exposure to your project. Like if, if you can pay 500 bucks and have me tweet about your project and it reaches, I don't know, 250,000 people, maybe that's worth it for you because you might not get that exposure otherwise. So you know, I, I sell my time for a living. I bill by, by a six minute increment. So I'm very comfortable with this model. Like I have, I have plenty of work and people call me and retain me for my time and pay me for it. So like, I just don't understand the argument that people on Twitter or anywhere else for that matter should do things for free. It, it degrades their efforts and their education and their expertise. And it frankly gives people something they don't deserve, which is a free product. Like I remember, so in law school, I had this really interesting experience where this judge came and he was, he was a court of appeals judge in Southern California. And he was an immigrant from Mexico. Um, he worked for like 20 years in the fields in California as an illegal immigrant, eventually became a U.S. citizen, clawed his way into law school, made it up through the ranks in the judicial system in California, and eventually made it then to the California Supreme Court. And he represented a lot of pro bono immigrants who are trying to make it in the U.S. And he's like, no matter what, I'd always charge them for my time, even if it was $5 an hour, whatever that they could realistically afford. He's like, because that meant that like there was value to my service. And I, I like that story stuck with me over the years because like, I do think that people should be charging for their time and they should value their time accordingly because if they don't value their time, no one else is going to. So it all sort of intertwined in that. And like, I also think that you know, people ought to be transparent. Like people are doing paid giveaways all the fucking time on Twitter. Um, you see, you, you see people like retweeting stuff and I'd say like a bunch of times, those people are probably getting paid for it. And you know, if, if there's a place where you can like see, Oh, they got paid 500 bucks. It says ad on it. Okay. Whatever. Like that's sort of annoying to see when I'm scrolling through my feed, but 
okay, you do you, get yours, fine. That's sort of my attitude towards it. Um, so, you know, that's, that's where I'm at. I, if, people, if people have a solid following and they know people listen to them and they want to charge for tweets, I don't see anything wrong with that. Or like a paid Discord, like I, I don't, I've never been a part of a paid group. I've never ran one, but I'm sure there's good paid groups out there. I don't know. It's like, if you want to do the research, if you want to find a community and pay for it, it's sort of like a frat. Like if you want to, <laughs> if you want to pay for friends, that's fine. Um, oh man, I, you're, you're I, talking shit almost directly at me. I've got a Discord group myself that I charge for. So see, that's fine. I feel that's attacked, fine, dude. but no, no, no. See, that's the thing. A lot of what you were touching on, it, I've been through this myself. You know, with the podcast, mm-hmm. when I first brought on a sponsor, people were a little mm-hmm. bit weary about it, and I was like, for close to a year, I've been giving you guys free content. I want to start getting paid for it, uh, and I've kind of just continued to push that. And people have slowly started to realize, okay, yes, he provides good value. Mm-hmm. I can listen to these ads. I'm okay with that. Same thing with the Discord. Free originally. When we changed over, a lot of backlash. Oh, what the fuck? You guys are charging for this. It's like, yeah, well, we've also made people, you know, thousands of thousands of dollars. So, you know, we need to be paid for our information and time. So I'm yeah. a big proponent, like yourself, of get paid, get yours, especially if you're providing value and people see that value. Um, There's also this idea of transparency that you guys are talking about. Uh, I think some people are going to realize how overly paid some of these influencers are. Uh, Do you think that will be an issue at all? Maybe. I mean, I, I, I don't, a lot of people have just like not, so there's plenty of people on Twitter who take money to tweet and, most of them are not on alpha market because I assume like, and that's the same with the discord channels. Some of it's probably margin too. And some of it's probably just like ease of signing people up. Right. If you do it through your own website or portal, it's probably easier. But um, you know, I I've been a little surprised that people are so hesitant to actually like just put it out there because there is some like, you know, it, it, it is a little, nerve-wracking to just sort of put yourself out there but i think the transparency of it is helpful for the community to understand okay well this person's charging x for a tweet and or this person charges x a month for their discord or you know this person has a newsletter and they charge x a month that's fine no one has to sign up no one has to pay it no one has to use these services whatever like there's some lawyers in new york who charge two thousand dollars an hour for like bankruptcy help so, you know, yeah, that's a lot of money and that maybe it's not right for you. Maybe you're not a large corporation going through a chapter 11 bankruptcy proceeding. So you don't need them. That's fine. But like, maybe there's some projects out there who want the exposure. Maybe there's some young traders who don't have time to research their own calls who would rather just join a community for 50 bucks a month or whatever, and not have to worry about digging through a bunch of garbage every day. So, you know, there it's a it's a free market and it's a free country and people can do whatever they want so if if they get value from it and it's worthwhile that's great and so sorry to interrupt you really quick before we kind of get away from it uh because you said that you've kind of noticed that people are hesitant to hop on here um how do you guys plan to overcome that because without these people posting on here you guys aren't making any money. And so your, I guess, number one goal is to get these kind of people on here. 
Uh, do you have any plans or ideas that you've been throwing around on how to kind of grow? So there's a few different categories on Alpha Market. Um, let me pull it up just so I, I'm saying yeah, it right. Freelance, so, trading, consulting. Right. Uh, and then Help um, Wanted tab, I think. Yep. So we added the Help Wanted in case like there's a project out there who needs something, but they don't see what they want on Alpha Market. So you can just go and you don't have to pay anything. You can just put like, oh, I, I want a backend developer for this much an hour. And then people can contact you. And if it's a good fit, you they'd create a listing and then you'd, you'd be off to the races. So that's pretty self-explanatory. The, the, I've thought recently about the trading services section. I might just scrap it completely. I thought when, when we launched this thing, I was really hopeful that that would be like the biggest draw that since I was from the crypto community and, you know, there's all these folks who are traders and um, they do TA and they have paid groups and, you know, they have bots and they have newsletters. I thought, I thought this section would be like immediately populated and no one's really touched it. The, the real value I think is the, the freelancing um, and then to a lesser extent, the consulting. I'm still not a hundred percent sure that, we, we won't keep it. Maybe we can convince people. But again, this goes back to my surprise about the, the folks who maybe don't want that information to be public. It's like, well, maybe they'd rather go through the process of, you know, doing it through DMs or doing it on their website, which is, which is fine. But I, that was, that's probably been like the biggest surprise to me. Um, yeah. And one of those things we'll just probably have to pivot and deal with. That makes sense. I mean, personally, I, I think we actually talked about this in DMs when you guys were first launching. Uh, with regards to my Amazon Discord, we have it set up. Stripe, we've got a website. Still mm -hmm. that 2.99%. Uh, but I feel like, you know, the marketing is just done on Twitter. You know, you've got these accounts who have these groups and most of them have big followings. And so they can tweet out, hey, this is what I've been doing in my group. A lot of people see it and then it's very easy to just sign up through a website and it's the 2.9% that gets charged on the back end uh, mm -hmm. versus something like this where it's like 10%. Uh, sure. So like the, the freelance stuff seems seems like the move, but I'm not here to, to you know tell you guys how to run your business or anything, but I potentially from somebody who owns a group or runs a group, that I think that might be the issue that a lot of people are seeing. Yeah, that's that's. It seems like that's what we're seeing too. So that'll probably be a change coming in the future that we just sort of break out the freelancing a little bit more. Um, and I mean, if people if people want to, one thing we could do is just sort of combine trading and consulting. So if we could just make a consulting tab that deals with trading. Um, so uh, you know, it, we're young still. We're basically in the beta stage um, very early as we grow i mean these are sort of the things you you deal with as you start a start a little side project to figure out what people need and want because at the end of the day it's like well we have to figure out what people want and then cater to them because if we try to tell people what they want it's not going to work never does um so i'm on the help wanted page right now I'm looking at the two posts they have. They're regarding Arrow, which is the other project that I wanted to talk about today. Um, before we get on to that, what it is, what it's all about, uh, who the team is, etc. Uh, is there anything else about Alpha Market that you want us to know? 
No, I don't think so. I mean, I, I think it is what it is. And if, if people are curious about it, they can always send me a message or just go on and play around with it. But, you know, I think it's a pretty straightforward website and hopefully people will, will realize that it, 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 well, it's free to sign up. So if you're a developer or you're a designer or a consultant, feel free to just go and sign up. It takes five minutes. And then if somebody retains you, it's free money. So Right. Uh, just another avenue. I, I talked to somebody on here who was a big freelancer. He actually secured a job at one of these crypto companies. Uh, we did a full episode on kind of the pros and cons of freelancing, how to do it successfully. Uh, and I think his biggest uh, pitfall or I guess obstacle to overcome was that he had to individually DM people every single day, He's tweeting at people, emailing them on all socials, trying to contact these people. Uh, and his biggest issue was that he just wasn't being seen by enough eyes. So for anyone who's doing any f- kind of freelance work, this is another avenue where eyes will be on you. They can People can see you know, what services you are offering. So I, I think there's you know, no reason to actually just put yourself on there. Uh, and get more eyes on kind of what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. Well, like I said, I think we're having like almost a thousand visitors a week. So if nothing else, it's just free exposure to your skills, right? Uh, and we'll we'll have a link in the description to the website. It's alphamarket.io for anyone who's wondering. Uh, but we will have a link in the description so you can go check it out if you want. Hop on there, sign up, post. Um, but okay, so that's one of the projects that you're working on. I do want to get into Arrow as well. Can you just give us the rundown on this guy? I'm going over to the site right now. It's arrowchain.io. I'm going to kind of cruise around it a little bit, but in your own words, again, what is it? Who's it for? Who's a part of this project? Yada, yada. So a lot of the the co-founders have elected to remain anonymous in sort of keeping with the Arrow spirit, which is a privacy coin. So... Um, but one of the other folks who has been publicly affiliated with the project is a lead developer, Jason Jacobs, um, and him and I, and, a, a, a group of individuals, I'd say early last year, um, were, were, were talking about sort of the state of privacy coins. And so I will say generally that I find privacy coins really intriguing and frankly i think they're one of the best use cases of cryptocurrency i still don't quite understand why people tolerate having all of their transactional details completely public on this immutable ledger that anyone can go and look at and they can see their wallet amount and they can see who they've sent bitcoin to and i i I know there's mixing services and um, wasabi wallet and w- ways around that. But, you know, one thing that just seems like a basic necessity in financial transactions is some level of privacy. So folks aren't snooping through your records. I mean, there's now all of these analytical companies that go out and work for the IRS and other federal agencies, or even just publish the data publicly that can you know, unwind transactions, they can figure out who's sending what where. And so it's a little, it's a little strange for a community that's so sort of self-possessed and interested in ensuring that the government isn't prying in their lives, that they tolerate such a large level of 
transactional transparency. So, you know, obviously there's several privacy coins out there. One of the more famous ones is Zcash. So we were looking at Zcash. Zcash has really cool technology. Like the ZK Snarks shielding is extraordinary and it's not a mixing service. It's basically just like encryption. It's, you know, when you go to a website and you see the little lock sign, you know that your data can't be viewed by other folks. And so that's really how I viewed ZK Snarks. The problem with Zcash is no one actually uses that feature on the Zcash network. I think, so, well, when we, when we published the white paper, I think it was 0.4%, 0.4% of all transactions that occurred on the Zcash network were fully shielded. So, you know, without him being shielded, it's just Bitcoin. It's the same. I, Zcash was forked from Bitcoin, 21 million coins, same code base, except the ZK snarks, really. So if, if you're not using the shielded attribute, it doesn't make any sense to even use it. So our thought was, well, let's fork Zcash the way Zcash forked Bitcoin. Let's fork Zcash, start over at block zero and make every transactional every transaction that occurs on the Aero network mandatory shielded. And that's what we did. Um, we also included some various upgrades. So the block time for Aero is like about three times shorter than it is for Zcash. So the transactions tend to settle a lot quicker. There's an updated algorithm to um, make it less able to be affected by ASICs and other um, mining rigs. And, um, but you know, the, the main selling point in our eyes was that it was fully shielded on every transaction. And we tried to make it just like a little more accessible too. We wanted to make the wallet super easy to use um, and kind of the branding and logo easy to understand. And, you, you know, it's not like titty coin or pirates or something. It's like, okay, no, it has sensible marketing. It has a good use case. And, um, you know, we, we launched, we didn't do an ICO. We didn't do a pre-mine. Um, we didn't do an IEO. We, we just... We did a fair launch last year. I think it was July 7th. So it's been launched for over a year. Um, and miners all knew about it. We did a Bitcoin talk post so miners could mine the thing from block one. Um, yeah, and we built a really cool little community. I think our Discord has something like 2,000 members now. Um, and we've just been slowly getting the word out. Um, I, for a long time, wasn't even publicly affiliated with it because I didn't want people to, I guess, think that I'm trying to do some sort of pump and dump scheme, rather like I really believe in this project. And it's sort of like what we were talking about with Alpha Market. Like, I don't really care if people use it. Like, I don't want people to use it because I tell them to use it. I want them to go and look into the project and be like, hey, that's a good idea that doesn't really exist in the cryptocurrency community. Why not? Uh, you know, so like you can go and you can download the wallet off GitHub. You can play around with it. It's currently traded at um, safe trade, which is a smaller up and coming exchange. And, you know, we're, 
we're in discussions with other folks, obviously can't talk about that too much, but um, the idea is that, you know, we'll try to get more integration on sort of the merchant side and, um, and on the exchange side so people have more access to it and then see if we can't get it out in the, the real world and get people using it as a, as a means to transact. But, you know, we, the, on, on day one, the launch, the network was fully functional and it has been since. And so you can go and you can send it around. You can use it as a means of, of, of transaction. One thing we've been focused on is a mobile wallet. We don't have a mobile wallet yet, um, but we're working on it. There's sort of a, a, a race right now between Zcash and a few other forks to create an actual shielded Zcash wallet or a, an Air wallet in our case. So it's it's just more difficult to have these types of transactions that are a little bit computationally intensive on a mobile device, but we're getting there. So it's just a, a it's a process, but. In the meantime, you know, we have the desktop wallet, you have the CLI wallet. We, we actually created a light wallet as well that so you don't have to go and download the entire chain and wait a day for it to update while you download it. You can be ready to send arrow pretty quickly with the, with the light wallet. So a lot to go over there. I, from the start, I kind of just want to talk about one thing, which is you talked about you know, privacy and it being very important to you. Um, but we've, what we've come to kind of realize is that a lot of people in this industry just don't care. You know, they, they say they're huge proponents of it and they say how important it is and then they just don't care. You know, they think, oh, you know, I'll just buy some Zcash, uh, it's a privacy coin, it'll pump, uh, they'll transact in Bitcoin because it doesn't really matter to them. I feel like a lot of people are just here for this kind of money grab in a sense. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I'm assuming you guys know that it's going to be, I would say, smaller user base from the get-go. Um, yeah. And it sounds like it's been pretty grassroots. Like you're saying, you you don't really care too much. I, I don't know if that's the right word, but um, you know, you're putting your name on on these two projects because you actually are very interested in them uh, and you care about what they mean. Less so about the adoption of it and telling people, "Hey, go use this," because you have this big following. Um, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it, these are important subjects to you. Um, yeah. you talked about that, that one, uh, exchange and plans for growth. Um, so looking forward to that, um, you know, I, I hear a lot of people talking about privacy, uh, in cryptocurrency, in the cryptocurrency industry. And they say, Oh, this, this is the year for privacy coins. You know, I've heard that for like two years straight. Do you think it will ever be the year for privacy coins? Um, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I hope so. So, so listen. I, I, I list. I write and I think a lot about privacy. And I just had like a long tweet storm on censorship, which is related. So let let me get there. <clears throat> a, a few months ago, um, Hulu and Netflix and all of these sort of online content providers were were pulling what they called the quote unquote problematic um, episodes or content on their streaming services. So it could have been some episode of the office with blackface, or it could have been some episode that, you know, didn't treat racial issues in a way that we'd consider appropriate in our current culture. And so 
you know, when you don't own the DVD, when you don't own the media itself, when you don't own the physical book, your content provider is free to take that away at any point. And another byproduct of this COVID situation we're seeing is that cash is dying. So cash is a really cool instrument. It's very, very private. If I give you a 20, you know, there's no record of that. There doesn't need to be. And there's no sort of trail. There's no digital breadcrumbs associated with that. There's no digital instrument that mimics the, the properties of cash. So now we're seeing fewer and fewer people actually use cash. So what are they doing instead? They're using their credit cards. They're using their debit cards. When you do that, there's a digital trail left for everything you buy. And there was a really interesting Washington Post article about six months ago that went through and actually figured out, well, when you dip your credit card at Target or something, there's something like six or seven different corporations who get access to that data and keep a copy of it and keep you on file. So, you know, there's presumably records out there of almost everything you buy on the day you bought it, when you bought it, where you bought it, which you know, in and of itself isn't overly concerning, but then you match that with the fact that like people are getting in big trouble for having opinions on things. Books are considered problematic now. And it's not too far of a jump to think that, well, maybe in five years, what you buy today could be held against you. You know, did you buy a book that isn't deemed culturally appropriate anymore? Did you buy something? Did you attend a seminar with a speaker who is considered problematic now? Could you potentially lose your banking privileges as a result of those transactions? So like, it sounds sort of tinfoil hatty, but it isn't too far of a leap to think that, you know, your transactional history eventually could be used against you. So my this is why i'm so passionate about arrow and privacy coins generally is that there needs to be some sort of transactional medium that allows consumers to buy and transact online without being worried about some sort of censorship or um i guess people coming down and viewing what you bought what you used your money on as some sort of statement and using that against you. So, I mean, even if it's not to, to be used against you, like nobody needs to know what I'm buying online. Exactly. Like, no, nobody needs to know about that. Uh, it's my business. It's the business of whoever I'm purchasing something from, or at least that's my opinion on it. What are your <laughs> thoughts on the people that say, Oh, well I have nothing to hide. So it's okay. Right. Yeah, I, I mean that's hate, like I hate that that I, phrase I hate right it there. Too. Yeah. So I, I'm assuming very similar ideas on this, but you know, what, what do you have to say for those guys who say, "Oh, I have nothing to hide, so why should I be worried?" Well, nobody wants privacy until they need it, or or they expect it. You, you know, the the Fourth Amendment of the Constitution of the United States ingrains this idea that the government needs to have a legitimate reason to come in and search your belongings. But for some reason, that that shield is not viewed as critical in the digital realm. 
my argument is, of course, it's as, as, as important. Now we transact most of our business online. We talk online, we buy stuff online, we work online. So, you know, what, what was once kind of just like a interesting little median in the nineties where people would goof off and send emails or play games now represents the majority of our lives and personalities and private conversations. So, you know, if you think about the government or corporations fiddling around in, in your messages or listening to your conversations, like it starts to get a little unsettling and then extrapolate that even farther with the, you know, GPS location tracking and Alexa's everywhere. And like all of a sudden, like what we used to have, what used to be a large sphere of privacy is now a tiny little circle that keeps getting chewed on and chewed on. And over time, it just gets eroded away. So yeah, you might not think it's a big deal that Target has your transactional history. You might not think it's a big deal that the NSA listens into calls that happen internationally. But over time, over years, over decades, these things are eroded to the point where we'll look up one day and we just won't have any reasonable expectation of privacy anymore. Maybe it starts in the digital realm, but then people are like, well, you know, we don't really need privacy in the physical realm either. Um, that's one, one really interesting thing about the topic of privacy is like opt-in privacy. We've seen time and time again, just doesn't work. Zcash is a great example. I mean, you look at this, instrument it's like it's an incredible instrument to preserve privacy and just no one uses it so our thought with arrow is don't give them the option if they're going to use arrow it's going to be shielded and it's it's sort of like how the the internet's developed to be just naturally encrypted whatever website you go to now is encrypted it's just sort of expected now so there needs to be an evolution within the cryptocurrency community to say okay well maybe it's not arrow I don't know. Maybe it's Bitcoin, but on a sidechain lightning that obfuscates transactions that occur on the lightning network. I, I'm not, you know, I, I don't care as long as, <laughs> as long as people like take it seriously and there's a way to do it that doesn't make people have to opt into it. Because I think most people don't really want to think about it too much. Don't no. really give a shit yeah. until it's too late. See, that, that's my biggest issue with this industry as a whole is nobody gives a shit. You know, we talk about privacy so often, uh, but then when it really comes down to it at the end of the day, it's more of a hassle than it needs to be. And because of that, we're kind of okay with giving up some of this privacy. So I really like what you guys are doing with this. this you know, it's mandatory. You don't have the option. You don't need to opt in. It is private from the get-go. Um you know, you said you don't care uh, as long as it's some sort of coin. I mean, I'm sure there's a little bit of kind of. I do. I'm I'm a competitive guy, and like this is my baby. I've worked on it for over two years. I I I helped write the white paper. I've been in the Telegram and Discord channels every day for the last two years. You know, I I shouldn't say that I don't care because I do. There we um, go. But <laughs> I just wanted to get that out of you because I mean, like the, you guys have put a lot of work into this. This is a very serious and you know, important topic. So, you know, have, I'm sure but it means, a, means a it, lot it, to you. It's an open source project. Um, and that's one of the cool things about crypto in general is like, everything's open source here. Like Zcash was a fork of Bitcoin arrows, a fork of Zcash. And we just like 
iterate to get things better and we all work together and eventually you know there has like well i don't know i mean maybe maybe in the future there's a thousand different coins and people use them for different purposes maybe that's fine but you know i'm just saying if there ever is a clear winner and like everyone needs to get behind it and try to figure out how to make that work i'd rather have some sort of privacy thing on bitcoin than nothing um so people you know you hear a lot of maximalists be like oh you're just a shit coiner like you're just a scam like no i love bitcoin bitcoin's what got me into crypto and like i think bitcoin is great as a store of value it's not very good at transactional processes though i mean it's expensive it's pretty slow it's not private at all so when when you're looking at like does bitcoin replace cash not really in its current form maybe that's maybe that's lightning maybe it's coin join or something else i don't know or maybe it's defi <laughs> I, I don't know but um you know our our contribution to the space was to create a a, a proof of work coin that has mandatory um shielding and has an organic community that we consider a fair launch and just try to try to do the best we can from there and you know if people are interested they can go read the white paper they can dm me they can go in the discord channel and ask about it we're we're around and we're happy to talk perfect similar to alpha market we'll have a link in the description for arrow it's arrowchain.io for anyone who's interested um one last question about it before we move on uh mm -hmm. because i think these privacy coins and making private purchases online has kind of been branded and given this kind of negative light where people say, Oh, the only people who would use that are drug users. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you know, I talked to, we already talked about, you know, what is privacy and like, why is it important? Uh, what do you have to say to the people who are just, you know, kind of branding this all as these are the sketchy people doing illegal things online. Those are the people that would use arrow. Right. Well, it's sort of the same argument that you hear from the, broader media saying that t Twitter was hacked with Bitcoin. It's like, well, no, it wasn't. It's just some criminals use Bitcoin to transact online. So, you know, I, one of the things about cryptocurrency is it's permissionless. We can't control necessarily who uses Arrow and what they do with it. It's the same with cash. You know, you wouldn't say cash is somehow... Um, suspect because people buy pot with it you'd say oh no people use cash because it has privacy privacy characteristics to it and that's how they transact so you know our goal all along was to create an accessible um, easy to use cryptocurrency that normal folks can use to pay their babysitter or buy a book online it's i mean we certainly don't intend and don't condone people using this cryptocurrency for illicit purposes any illicit purpose and i'll say that confidently i mean i i don't want people using this for those purposes we created a arrow to you know create a, a digital cache that had properties of that and, you know, there are, there are ways to, uh, you know, like if, if exchanges use 
if exchange is list arrow, um, it emulates the same pattern that Zcash does where there are memo fields where they could fill in um, the outgoing address. And so my point is that there's basic requirements under US and international law related to AML, KYC, and things like that. And it's possible to have a privacy coin that's both private and compliant at the same time, which Zcash did a very good job of, and we've built on that and emulated the same properties that Zcash has from their compliance point of view. That was actually going to be my last question kind of on arrow was, you know, your corporate attorney, privacy coins have kind of been an issue in the media with regards to being compliant with these KYC AML policies. Uh, but it sounds like you guys have it figured out, kind of took a page out of Zcash's book uh, and have improved upon it. So that's pretty much all I want to know. Is there anything else you want my audience to know about Arrow before we move on? No, no, I don't think so. I mean, I think if they're, if they're interested in privacy coins, that's a rabbit hole I'd encourage everyone to go down because, you know, there's a lot of good literature out there about the importance of privacy. Actually, one really good resource on that is Edward Snowden, of all people. Um, he has developed quite an eloquent sort of platform about privacy. Um, so he, he has some interesting talks online and, um, you know, our white paper is available on the website, which explains in more detail both the kind of economics as well as the technical details and um, some of the some of the sort of philosophical ideas around privacy in general. So if you're interested, I'd encourage you to, to check it out. I love it. Again, we'll have that link in the description. You can go check that out if you guys want, guys. Um, so I generally like to wrap up with kind of two of the same questions in every interview. First, I like to ask, you know, what are your plans for the next year? What are you most excited for? Uh, you've got two big projects in this phenomenal Twitter that you run. Uh, so do you have any big plans with these guys that you want the audience to know about? I know you got to keep some of it under wraps and we've talked about others already, but if you had to put kind of the biggest thing out there, what do you, what are you looking forward to? It's a good question. I, I don't know. I'm excited about all of it. It's just like, a, it, <laughs> you have so much a, going on. It's hard. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's a fun, it's a fun time to be in the space. It's like, I finally feel like we're at the end of a long winter. Um, so it I think feels like the, it. And I, I don't yeah. think I can handle another one. If things suddenly drop off a cliff, we're definitely in the disbelief phase. We sure. are hundred percent. Right? <laughs> so, we followed that, that wall street cheat sheet to a T. <laughs> so I think of all the things I'm excited about is just like the blossoming of crypto and, um, I guess bully and arrow and alpha market, they all sort of intertwine and just, just push forward as more people join the space and get to know crypto and, you know, get to see all of these projects in action. Well, I'm very much looking forward to it. Um, and then I usually like to end the very end of the episode. It's usually a biggest tip for the audience. Uh, and, alpha market is very much focused on kind of the freelancers out there and connecting workers with mm -hmm. uh, companies or people who are looking for work. Uh, so other than hopping on alpha market, what, what's your biggest tip for the freelancers in this industry uh, before we kind of wrap this episode up? 
Sure. No, that's a good question. I mean, I I'd say it's get involved, like get, get in there. You're not going to get work without building a reputation. You're not going to build a reputation without getting involved. You know, when I was, when I only had a few hundred followers, I met other people with a few hundred followers and we created a little group and we talked and we bounced ideas off of each other. And those are the people I still hang out. I mean, one of them was Cryptodale and we started Alpha Market together. So like the, the way you're going to succeed in this space is to find people who you like and you can work with and you want to build stuff with and you want to get rich with ultimately. Um, so that would be my advice. Get involved, build a name for yourself and find other like-minded people who are interested in the same things as you. And then it's not like a chore because if it's a chore, you're going to burn out in two months and you're going to go back on Facebook and get in political fights with your uncle Larry. <laughs> but if, if, if you really care and you find other people who care, that's, I mean, that'll keep you coming back every day. And that's, that's how you do it. It's not, you don't, you, you don't find success in a week or in a year, even you find it after years and years of just showing up every, every day and putting in the work. And I don't think that's some like meaningless platitude. That's, that's the real deal. And like, if you show up and you work hard and you're passionate and authentic, I think the sky's the limit. 100%. I just want to add to this because I've now had some people do some work for me. Uh, and this also touches on some stuff we talked about in this other freelance episode I did. Uh, you're talking about getting out there, shaking hands, meeting people, working with them, being present, showing up every day. On top of that, I know people aren't going to want to hear this, but do some work for free. Like, Just shut up and do some work for free. The person who does all of my video editing now came to me and said, hey, I made you this intro and I want to do some work for you. And I loved it. And he has taken over on all of my video editing. I've completely passed it off to him. Uh, and that started just because he reached out and said, hey, I made you a 15 second video. Uh, no one else had done that. And I had been looking for a video guy for a while. Uh, so I know it's not something everyone wants to hear and not possible for everybody. Uh, but if you really want to work with a team, a company, a person, reach out to them, do some research on the person and show the value that you can kind of bring to them instead of just being like everybody else in their DMs or in their emails saying, hey, I want to work with you. I really like your stuff. Like it's just that doesn't work anymore, in my opinion, especially not in this industry. Yeah, no, it's good. It's good advice. Your most valuable commodity is your reputation and your name. Very well said. Uh, is there anything else that you want my audience to know before we go? No, man. I, I'd just say thanks for listening to me to listening to me drone on about my various things. <laughs> no, man. The, you you got a lot going on. It's all very interesting stuff. Might not be for everybody. I was I was absolutely loving it. Your takes on kind of privacy and this online digital world that we're living in uh, were some very interesting takes. Uh, so I really appreciate you taking the time, man. 